Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Hello. Ephesians chapter 6, if you will. I so appreciate Pastor uh, saying that my services are spectacular. And uh, in the context of the sentence, he's talking about that he's been in services that were spectacular. The only services he's been in in the last two days is mine. So, uh, so I, I appreciate that. That was amazingly kind. How many of you remember when all of a sudden they labeled us uh, essential workers? How many of you were labeled that? Wasn't that kind of them to do that? I thought to myself, man, I've been working for this place for 40 years and I've never been essentially, you know, to where, and all of a sudden I'm an essential worker and now I'm a spectacular minister. And so I, I appreciate that more than you know, Pastor, that, that brightens my day and encourages me and I appreciate that. And I'll take that back to my wife and she'll appreciate that too. We know that the devil walks about seeking whom he may devour. We know that he's a thief. We know that he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We know that he hurls fiery darts at us, that he has wiles of the enemy, uh, that he has, if you will, uh, an evil day that he brings into every one of our lives. But I think that it's time that we uncover his tactics. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says very clearly, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And so for the sake of our time, please, I'm going to go over this very quickly. We're going to just cut to the chase. And uh, it's very clear here that we are not ignorant of his devices. So many individuals today, I think, are ignorant, and they should not be ignorant if they read their Bible. It's very clear how he approaches mankind and with his endeavors to steal, to kill, to destroy, to devour us, if you will. And, and I think it's clear from the Word of God that the way that he does this is through thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. So I presented this for your consideration last night. The way that Lucifer comes into our life to steal, to kill, and to destroy in order to devour us, he offers you a little bit of a thought. He offers you an, an idea, a suggestion. And in many times, these suggestions do not come to us, even though the Bible talks about the hurls fiery darts at us. Um, in, in my, in my uh, experience with, the, with Lucifer, uh, his fiery darts never come at me looking like fiery darts. They, look, they come at me looking as logical, rational, even, even some improvement into my life. I want you to go with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 3. And I want to go through the word very quickly. And I want to show you encounters that Lucifer has with humanity and the tools that he uses in order to diminish their lives. Genesis chapter 3 is the first one that I want to go to. And you have to realize, and I like to talk about this. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. This is a precedent-setting event. It is the first time the enemy approaches humanity in order to steal from them. It is a precedent. Everybody say precedent. It is a precedent-setting event. The word precedent means this. It means to act as a guide for future acts 
of a similar kind. So I'm going to say that again. Uh, the word precedent means to act as a guide for future acts of a similar kind. There are, there are court cases in, in, in our judicial system that we do not want them to agree to. We do not want them to stamp their, stamp their approval on it because if they do, then anyone else, that co- anyone else that follows them and wants to do the same things that they did would be approved. This is a precedent-setting event. Listen to me now very carefully. The way that he approaches Adam and Eve is the way that he approaches every human being from that time on. He does not change his tactics. And the way that he approaches them is with a little bit of a thought, a little bit of an idea, a little bit of a suggestion. And guys, it's actually tainted with this idea that I'm a friend of yours and I can help you because you're not walking in all that you should be able to walk in. And so I want to offer you this little thought, this little idea. And so he walks up to, to Eve, his first encounter with with. Uh, with, with humanity. And in verse 1 of Genesis 3, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, um, hath God said? Notice it doesn't come in here with fear and, and fire and, 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 and just, and, no, hath God said? A little bit of a thought, little idea, little suggestion that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman responded and said, well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the trees, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said that you shall neither, you, you must not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent responded kindly and said, uh, you should not surely die. But God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, that your eyes will be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing the difference between good and evil. In other words, what he's saying is simply this. Your life will be better off. And you know as well as I do that the little thought that he offered Eve did not make them better off. It made them worse off. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, uh, but the other thing that I want you to see is simply this. That when Lucifer approached Eve, he questions two things with his thoughts. Verse 1, he questions what God has said. Yea, hath God said? In verse, in verse, um, in verse uh, uh, 4, he questions what God will do. You shall not surely die. Lucifer's tactics is always questioning what God has said and questioning what God will do. And you know as well as I do that if you don't know what, really what God has said, you're at a disadvantage. If you really don't know the truth, you don't know your God, you don't know the Father who's your father of the family that you belong to, then you're going to be at a disadvantage. He, he comes with a little bit of a thought, an idea, and a suggestion. Go with me, if you will, to Luke. Luke chapter 4. Lucifer approached Jesus in the wilderness. We're not going to read this whole story. This is the temptation of, of Lucifer to Jesus three times in a row. And notice that when, Je- that when, that, that when Lucifer speaks to Jesus, it, it, all it is is a little bit of a thought. There's no force here. There's no sword involved. There's no, there's, no, there's no fear involved. It's just a suggestion. And if you'll, if you'll yield, your life will be better. 
Listen to what it says here in the devil, verse 3, chapter 4 of Luke. Luke chapter 4, verse 3. And the devil said unto him, if thou be the son of God, command the stones to be made bread. Man, he's been on a fast. Why don't you just go ahead and feed yourself? You know you can do it. And Jesus answered and said unto him, it's written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. And the devil taketh upon him into a mountain to the high place, showed him into the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto thee, see all this stuff right here? All this power will I give unto thee and the glory thereof. If you'll just, if you'll just worship me, I'll give it to you. Little thought, little idea, little suggestion. Verse 9, after Jesus repelled that thought, he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, said unto him, if thou be the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it's written, the angels will charge over thee, will keep you, and in their hands they'll bail thee up, lest you at any time shall dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus turned around and said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. A little bit of an idea, a little bit of a suggestion, a little bit of a thought. That's how he comes. Go with me if you will to Acts. I tell you what, let's go to John chapter 8 first. John chapter 8. John 8. You know this verse, but I want you to turn here. I want you to see it. John chapter 8. How does he come to us? He comes, he comes with a thought, with an idea, with a suggestion. What that tells me, guys, is this. In, in, in our circles... We have so much said about guarding what your mouth says. We have so much said about that. We've spent decades uh, highlighting that area in the Christian's life. But listen to me now very carefully. Your life is affected more by your thought life than by your word life. Yes, your words matter. But your words are always the result of your thoughts. And if you're, if you're speaking contrary to, if you're speaking one thing and you're believing something else in your, in your heart, your mind, those words are just meaningless in and of themselves. And we've seen people say things that they didn't believe, say things that they didn't know anything about. But they're just repeating what everybody else says. No, there comes a time and a point to where we have to get our thoughts connected to our mouth. I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Listen to what it says here in John chapter 8. It's with a thought, with an idea, with a suggestion. John chapter 8 and verse 44. You are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your fathers you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, um, he speaketh of his own, for he is a what? Liar. What, what is the essence of a liar? What, what are they out to do? They're out to get you to think on things that are not true. Isn't that right? When someone lies to you, they're getting you to think on things that are not true. That's, 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 that is the essence of Lucifer. Jesus came to get us to think on things that are true. Can I just say it to you this way? Jesus said these words, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The first thing that truth sets you free from is untruth. Listen to me, guys. Before truth can set you free from cancer, it has to set you free, first of all, from untruths. Untruths first. 
then you operate in the truth and you can be set free from the illnesses that we encounter throughout life. So it's very clear here, Lucifer is a liar. He's trying to get you to think on things that are not true. Go with me, if you will, to Revelation, Revelation chapter 12. Here again, just exposing who our enemy is and highlighting the area that we must be diligently managing in our lives, and that is the management of our thought life. Revelation chapter 12, and I want to begin reading, if you will, Revelation 12 and verse 7. Now, guys, the thing that we're about to read has already happened. There, Lucifer, um, with, his, with the third of the angels that were underneath his command, uh, set up a coup. They, they rebelled against God. And um, they had it in their minds that they could dethrone God and place Lucifer in that place. And they were thinking on things that were not true, and there's much to be said about that. But uh, this speaks of that war that occurred when Lucifer executed his plan. And listen to what it says here. <clears throat> it has an interesting statement here in chapter 12, verse 7 on down through. Let's read it. Verse 7, there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. That's Lucifer. And the dragon fought and his angels. There was a battle there. And prevailed not. Lucifer prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, underline it, which deceiveth the whole world. Look at that phrase. Which deceiveth the whole world. I've taught my students for years. That statement is a statement of summary. It summarizes Lucifer's movements within the world. He is out to deceive the world. He's out to cause, the word deception means to cause you to think on things that are not true. It is a summary statement. Go with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20. Now, in Revelation 20, this is going to happen. And I cannot wait to see this event occur. This is going to be an amazing, amazing event. We will see it from the grandstands of heaven because we will already be there when this happens. And I cannot wait for this to happen. But there's some things in here that need to be understood. Revelation 20. He says these words, and I saw an angel. We're talking about Lucifer's motive. What, in what way? So that we can highlight our management in our thought life because this is where he's going to approach us through. is through our thoughts. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, chapter 20, verse 1. Having the key of the bottomless pit. Can't wait for this to happen. A great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on that dragon, that old serpent. Which was, which was the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Can't wait for that to happen. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shed a seal upon him that he should, underline it, deceive the nations no more. Isn't that interesting? So what that tells me is this. From the time that Lucifer was cast out of heaven until the time that he's bound in chains for a thousand years, he is about the business of deceiving, endeavoring to cause people to think on things that are not true. He is a liar. 
That's been his main mode of operation. We talked about it last night. That if he can't get you to think on things that are, that are not, if he, if, if he can get you to think on things that are not true, he can destroy your marriage. He can cause you to rebel against your parents. All kinds of things that we're seeing happening in the world today is the result of people thinking on things that are not true. That he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled and after that he must be loose. Why? I don't know, but apparently he's got to be loose for a little season. And I saw thrones and they sat upon them. Judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded uh, for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither received the mark upon his forehead or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again till the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. Verse 7, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to underline it, to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. Isn't that interesting? That tells me this. Every loosed moment Lucifer has, he is about the business of deceiving, deceiving causing us to think on things that are not true. Ah, verse 8. And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, and together uh, them to battle, the number of whom is the sand of the sea. And there went up on the breadth of the earth, encompassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city, fire came down from God out of the heaven and devoured them, and, underline it, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Deception. Go with me, if you will, to, to uh, 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. It actually says this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 14. It says, 1 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 14, and Adam was not deceived but the woman being what? Deceived was in the transgression. She, what caused the fall of humanity? Someone thinking on things that are not true. You all doing okay with this? The only people that Lucifer can devour are people with an unmaintained thought life. I'll say that again. The only people that he can have an impact upon, devour, steal from, deteriorate their, their level of living is with people with an unmaintained thought life. It's proved with Adam and Eve. Unmaintained thought life. I want you to go with me if you go to Acts. Acts chapter 5. It's a very interesting verse here, Acts 5. Every person that has fallen from their place in the Bible fell first in their mind. 
Look at what it says here in Acts chapter 5. Acts 5. And I want to begin reading with verse 1. This is the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Look at what it says here. Acts chapter 5 in verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And they kept back part of the price. His wife was being privy to it. And they brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet and told them, we sold, this is what we sold the land for. And Peter said by the Holy Ghost, Ananias, why hath Satan, underline it, filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? A whole bunch of people were selling their property and just giving them the entire, the entire amount. And as the Sapphira said, we got some property, we can go and sell it. But a thought came to them. No one knows exactly what you sold that piece of property for. You can go ahead and keep 50% of it. Give them the 50%, the other 50%. Keep the rest, live off of it, enjoy it. Nobody will ever know. By the Holy Ghost, they've been brought to light that Lucifer filled your heart. He lied to them. A little bit of a thought that looked beneficial, looked like it was a good idea, but in essence, cost them their lives. John chapter 5, one more please. John 5. John chapter 5. I'm a hurrying. Time goes by fast in the big sky. John chapter, <laughs> John chapter 5. John chapter 5. No, not John chapter 5. John chapter 13. John, shut up. John chapter 13. <laughs> these glasses, these glasses, these, these. You know, Mom Hagen, Mom Hagen saw my Bible one time. And, and she saw my notes in my Bible. And I, 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 I have little notes, little notes in my Bible. And they're little tiny little things. This is Mom Hagen years ago. She saw that one day and she leaned over to me and she said, one day you'll regret that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so those days have come. I can see her laughing up in heaven right now, yeah. I told him, Kenneth, I told him, Kenneth, that that, that shouldn't, he should write a little bit bigger than that. John 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of the earth, out of the world, and to the Father, having loved his own, which were, um, having loved his own, which were, having loved his own, which were, <laughs> Ah, where am I at? Having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them until the end. And supper being ended... The devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. How do you get that in there? Got it with a little bit of a thought, a little bit of an idea, a little bit of suggestion. Y'all doing okay with me? Yeah. Now, we read, and I'm not going into it because my time's really getting away from me, Luke, uh, sorry, Isaiah 14 the Bible talks about Lucifer and his plan 
to exalt himself above God. And in this plan, in Isaiah 14, verses 12, 13, 14, 15, you hear him say, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will, I will be worshipped like him. Listen to me now very carefully. When Lucifer had those thoughts, Lucifer's thoughts was not coming to him or being fed him by an evil entity because there was no such thing as an evil entity in heaven when Lucifer's the third top dog angel. So where did those thoughts come from? And the reason why I bring that out, I need, to under, I need you to understand this, that there are thoughts that can deteriorate our life that doesn't come from the devil at all, but comes to us through the eye gate. There are things that you can see and thoughts can come to you through the eye gate. And that's what happened. He saw God's glory. He saw God's majesty. And he began to say, that can be mine. I want that. And so, so we have to be very careful that we do not conclude that every thought that comes our way that is of a negative nature is always from the devil. It can, I've, I actually believe it can come through three, three arenas. It can come from Lucifer, yes it can, but not always and probably more than likely a lot of stuff's coming through your eye gate. How many of you know David had some thoughts come to him when he saw Bathsheba in the bathtub? Yes. Eye gate stuff. How many of you know you can also through the ear gate? through the ear gate, you can allow thoughts to be spoken to you by other people that isn't coming from the devil at all. Are y'all doing okay with that? Yeah. So we need to be careful that not every thought that comes, that comes our way uh, is, from, is from the devil himself. Are y'all out there? We need to understand that. Now, let's talk about this very quickly. Let's just kind of go through some little snippets here because here again, our time's gotten away from us. Let me just say this. Within every thought, no matter how innocent the thought is, no matter how um, uh, pure the thought is, or how simplistic the thought is, there is a life attached to every thought. There is a life attached to every thought. Every thought either has a death nature attached to it or a zoe nature attached to it. It either has the life of the devil attached to it, or it has the life of God attached to it. Every thought, how many of you have ever heard this phrase, guys? Every decision you make has a future attached to it. Every choice you make has a future attached to it. Every thought that comes your way has a, either a, 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 a increased life attached to it or a deteriorated life attached to it. Just snub them. Just act like you didn't see them. That thought hits you really hard. You know what that is? That's a relationship-destroying thought that has just come into your life that if you act upon it, it will deteriorate that relationship. Okay, don't like that? Okay. All right. The next thing that we need to understand is this, is that no matter how spiritual you become, no matter how well-advanced you become in the kingdom, you can never stop thoughts from coming your way. Here you, have, here you have angels in heaven that were offered thoughts. Come on, guys. Here you have Jesus, the Son of God, in, 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 the, in the wilderness experience, the temptation, who's having thoughts 
offered to him. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden had thoughts that were offered to them. Guys, no matter how, how, how mature we become, how, how, what kind of a position we serve in the body of Christ, no matter who we are, we all are going to be s- subjected to thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. In other words, can I put it this way? No matter who we are, young, old, uh, 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 we still have to maintain our thought life. We still have some management to do. First Peter chapter 5, if you will. First Peter 5. I'm hurrying. First Peter 5. Watching my clock real carefully. When I get to heaven, I'm preaching as long as I want to preach. <laughs> I want to be the kind of preacher that, that Peter was. When he was preaching, people fell asleep in the window and fell out and That's the kind of preacher I want to be. <laughs> First Peter chapter 5, in verse 8, he says these words, You be sober, you be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith. If, our, if the maintenance of our thought life is going to be embraced, there's a diligence that it requires. There's a diligence that it requires. You are to be, the Bible says, Paul, Peter admonished these, these believers to be sober. The word sober means to be clear-minded about this. To be clear-minded about this. The word vigilant means this, ever on your guard. Ever on your guard. You are to be sober you are to be vigilant. Isn't it true? Now, guys, I'm going to use an example here that just all you skinny people, just leave me alone, all right? But would you know when, when you go on a diet, when us fluffy people go on diets, isn't it true that we're supposed to be diligent about the thoughts that come to us about Reese's peanut butter cups? And I, and I, love, and I love Reese's peanut butter cups from the refrigerator. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me, help me. Help me. And I also love Oreo cookies submerged, not, not dipped, not dipped. Not, you, don't dip a, you don't dip an Oreo cookie in milk. You don't, no, no, no. You submerge that sucker, and, and, you, and, you put that, and you put that thing underneath the spoon so it can gather the soaking up all the, until it almost falls apart. Then you dip it out of there, bring that little baby up here. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. But isn't it true that when you're on a diet, you're supposed to be dealing with those thoughts? Are y'all out there? And so, so whatever, whatever, what, shut up, whatever area, whatever area, listen to you, whatever area you want improvement in is going to take some management of your thought life. You want to save for retirement? You're going to have to... You're going to have to manage your thought life about what you want to buy. Are you all out there? And I'm, I'll be 70 in October, and boy, the whole retirement thing's coming at me like a freight train. I see it. It's headed right to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Calm yourself down a little bit, huh? Every area you want, if you want victory in your marriage, you need to manage your thought life about your spouse. If you want victory concerning your children, you need to manage your thought life about your... There are, uh, there are parents saying stuff to their kids. 
that I'm thinking to myself, oh, my Lord, I'm glad my parents didn't talk to me like that. You little, anyway, we'll go on, we'll go on. So it demands, demands diligence. Now, here we go. Where do we begin? Go with me if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10. I'm a hurrying. 2 Corinthians. Y'all doing okay this morning? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Where do we begin with all of this? Well, we know it's going to take diligence. We know we're going to have to put forth some effort. Here again, I don't know why I need to stay on this just for a second. Every area you want improvement in, you're going to have to first of all tackle the issue of management of your thought life. You're thinking about improving your, the paint on your, on your house? You have to manage your thought life because thought life is going to come up with all kinds of reasons why not to paint this year. Okay, didn't like that? All right, all right. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 10, chapter 10, it says in this verse 1, Now I, I, I Paul, beseech thee by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in present and base among you and, and absent and bold towards you, but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as, as if we walk according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse 5. Casting down, underline it, imaginations. Casting down imaginations has to do with your thought life. And every high thing, listen to this, that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The first function of, of, within your mind that needs to be engaged is the identification of the thoughts that have come in your way. Are they friend or are they foe? And you have to identify them. Can I, can I put it to you like this? Your, your, we talked about the, the armor of God. Your armor is knowledge, knowledge about truth. We talked about this last night. The, the gospel of peace, salvation, faith, righteousness, the word of God. It is knowledge. Your, the knowledge that you have from the Bible is to act as a filtering system between you and every thought that comes your way. And this filtering system determines whether the thought is a friend or a foe. If it agrees with the word, then it's a friend, and you let that thought pass into you. If it's a foe and goes against the word of God, then you are to identify it as such, and you are to take upon yourself the task of bringing that thought into captivity because it's endeavoring to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Right. 
Years ago, my mom had a rule. We did not go into our friends' homes when their parents were not there. That was the rule. Nuh-uh. Their parents are in there, fine. If they're not there, you are not allowed into their home. So then, across the street, the McLeans lived. And they had a daughter that was a little older than us and a son, Jimmy, that was my age. I grew up with him and his daughter, his, the, the, his sister was a little older. And she offered a little bit of a thought. Let's come on in the house and let's play strip poker. <laughs> you know, you don't hear much about that. I, I don't know. I, I guess I, <sighs> you know, I, I, I don't know what, I don't know if they do that even anymore today or not. I don't have any idea. I never played strip poker before, you know. But that was a thought that exalted itself against the knowledge of my mama. But I didn't, I didn't bring it into captivity. Shut up. And, uh, and, uh, guys, close your ears just for a little bit here, okay? Just go a little, a little, a little, a little, a little, okay? Just pastor's kids, you know. So we're playing in there, and that girl rigged the cards to where that she always won. <laughs> and so, now I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. I'm, gonna say, I'm not going to tell you everything, but I, but I was not the one that lost. Came close. Michael, you be quiet now. Came close. Came close, but I, I was not the one that lost. Thankfully, I'm not the one that lost. That would have never happened if I had not allowed that thought to exalt itself against the knowledge of my mama. Are you all out there? Thank you very much. Made that point pretty close. Spectacular, huh? Spectacular. <laughs> there are some, some thoughts that come our way that are easily discarded. Go rob a bank. How many of you, I mean, how many of you, come on, be honest with yourself, how many of you have walked in the bank and kind of looked around thinking to yourself, I could do this? <laughs> come on, be honest, be honest. Thank you very much, thank you very, thank you. Come on, come on, you, you goody-goody two-shoe people, come on, give me a break. Come on, give me your hand, give me, thank you very much. You've never had that thought not one time? Not one time. You didn't go into banks, do you? Did your wife do all your banking for you? What? What? Your dad was <laughs> his dad. His dad was an FBI agent. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that might deter you. All right, that's for sure. Some thoughts are just you just flip it off. Other thoughts keep coming at you and are not easily shaken. And so the thing about it is, is when you have a thought that is not easily shaken, the Bible tells you, you are to, verse 5, casting down. The word casting down means this. It, to, it, says means to, it means to demolish. Demolish. It means to lead away captive 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It means to refute. Now, if you're like me, I don't know what the word refute, so I had to go. Don't you hate it when, the Bible, when you go to the dictionary to look up a word that you don't understand that gives you another word you don't understand? <laughs> Preacher's kids, you doing okay over here? You doing all right? All right, all right, all right. It means to refute. It means to prove to be false by argument or evidence. There are some thoughts you're going to have to prove to be false. In 2000, I taught on this subject a lot. And my habit was, was to teach on a subject everywhere I went. And, and I would teach on that subject, and I would do it for a year, and I would get out all the little fluffy things, things that needed to not be said, and then I would write the book. And, and you guys have bought the book, apparently, and you're selling the book up there. The thing, Mastering the Silence, is this book. And so I'm teaching away. And before I started writing the book, I'm teaching this one day, and all of a sudden, the Lord said this to me. Watch how thoughts take you captive and you can learn how to take thoughts captive. Watch how thoughts take you captive, and you can learn how to take thoughts captive. Now, I'm going to go over this very quickly. We need to learn from our enemy. And when he comes at it, every one of us have been captured by thoughts, captures of insecurity, captured by thoughts of low self-esteem, captured by thoughts of you're never going to accomplish anything, you know, your boss doesn't like you, your wife hates you, you're captured. When a thought endeavors to capture you, it does never come by itself. When a thought endeavors to capture you, it will use every piece of evidence that it can bring to the table to prove that the thought is so. Michael doesn't like you. And the moment that thought hits you, then, then all of a sudden, that last time he walked past you and didn't even speak to you, didn't even acknowledge your presence, comes up. Did he send you an anniversary card? <laughs> I found out who this guy is, and I just hit him on the ear. Probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Sorry. I got to talking to him in the bathroom. And <laughs> How many of you know who Michael is? Let me see your hand. Okay. All right. Then you know that I fear my life by, when I just hit him in the ear. Okay? Yeah, yeah, we won't say that too loud, okay? And it brings videos. It brings recordings. It brings photos of every event that proves to you Michael doesn't like you. I... I'm a full-time instructor at Rama in 1986. I've been teaching there for, since 1981, full-time, multiple classes. 
and I sit in my office, and all of a sudden the thought comes to me, they want you gone. Because I, I wasn't having department head meetings with them. I wasn't getting any communications from them. There was times that they would walk past me and they didn't acknowledge my presence. And I sat in my office and I talked myself out of by nurturing a thought that came my way, they want you gone. And over the process of time, I'd given that thought so much time, think time, and agreed with the evidence that that thought provided me, that surrounded me, captured me. When you capture someone, you gotta surround them. And I'm speaking with Brother Hagen in 1986 at, at Dick Burnell's church in San Jose, California. I've got the morning services. Brother Hagen has the night services. And in one afternoon, I went up to Brother Hagen's hotel room and said, Dad, we need to talk. And so I got in the room, and so I said, Dad and Mom, when I, when I come back to Tulsa, I'm resigning. They said, what? You're doing what? Dad, Dad, said, Dad said, you know you're missing this. Mom got a little tougher with me. She was always the vocal one. And she said, you're going to go backwards and not forwards. He was stern with it. And uh, so I said, well, I feel like God. And the moment I said that, I noticed that Brother Hicken shut up, didn't say another word. And so I left. When I got back, I resigned. Everybody cried. I cried. I'd been there from 1975, I was a charter class member of this class. I traveled with brother, lived with mom and dad Hagen for two and a half years and was his crusade director for years. Now I'm a full-time instructor. I've, I grew up in that place. Now in 86, I've come to the conclusion that they don't want me because I've entertained thoughts that brought with it a whole lot of evidence. And, it, and they captured me. And I began to, and I acted on it. And I left. And I became an associate pastor of a church in Tulsa. And uh, three years later, I finally realized that I had made the mistake of my life. And I came crawling back to the Hagans on my hands and knees, not literally, but emotionally and esteem-wise. And I never will forget Pastor Hagan's response. You got four options. You can pioneer a church. You can take one over, you can start an itinerant ministry, or you can go secular. Raymond was not in that mix at all of options. I cried all the way home. Three or four weeks later, I'm headed to a meeting, and I get a phone call from Brother Hagen. And um, he said, we'd like to meet with you. And so long story short... Pastor Hagen and Dad Hagen met with me, and they said, we've never done this before, but we'd like to offer you, we want you to come back. Um, we're going to make a position for you. We don't, have, we don't have a teaching position available to you because it's in the middle of the school year, and so we're, all the teachers are, that, that schedule is all filled up. And, uh, and so we're going to make it, we're going to make a position for you. And so... They made me the healing school coordinator. 
long story. Started substituting for Brother Hagin when he was gone, teaching. About two months into my time with Brother Hagin, there back on team again, he called me into his office. And he said, I'm just going to tell you this. I'm glad you're back. And he said to me, he said, there are things that I could not do because you left me in 86. I'm glad you're back. He said, you're a very lucky young man. There are very few people that can ever come back once they leave. Very fortunate. And I said to him, I said, Dad, why didn't you try to stop me? You know what he said to me? The moment you said, God said, I will never fight against God. And if you believed that it was God's telling you to do that, that's where the conversation ends with me. Even though I felt like you were, were not in the right. But I cannot question God. I mean, you know, when there's people that throw the God card out all the time. God told me this. God. Well, the moment they tell you, well, then that's the end of the conversation. I'm not going to be found fighting against God. You need to be very careful playing the God card. You better, when you say God said, you had better be. Pfft. Are y'all out there? But how, what caused me to leave? Being surrounded by some thoughts. Now, I don't have time. My time's gotten away from me. But when you have the thought, just take the day off today. You deserve it. It's okay. Just call in and tell them that you just want, need a mental break. You get in the Word. You find out how an employee is to function on the job. And you begin to realize that you're to work as under the Lord and not as under men. And you're to work as heartily as when their eyes are not upon them as you do when they are upon you. And you begin to refute those thoughts. Come on, guys. I've taken the day off just because you want a day off. Because it goes against the word. There's a lot of people today having these thoughts. Well, I don't, I'm not loving my spouse until they love me. I'm not going to respect them until they respect me. I mean, you know, the Bible is very clear about it, that our love toward others is to be unconditional. And yet marriages are being affected and deteriorated because of their embracing thoughts that it has exalted themselves against the knowledge of God. Are you all out there? This issue is real. This issue is a real deal. I had justified not tithing off my ministry checks. I get paid from Kenneth Hagin Ministries. I get paid from my ministry. And so I just didn't, I thought, well, this ministry, I mean, why should I? And the Lord in Tucson, Arizona, a couple of years ago, won't go into the whole story, checked me about that. He said, there's an area in your life that you're not honoring me. I knew exactly what he was talking about. I picked that area up, 
started tithing off that. God's blessed us. You have to beware, but listen to me very carefully. Now, listen to me now. That's the reason why that we need to sit in good churches like this one. I mean, I've, I've spoken with your pastor. I'm going to be honest with you about it. He's one of these guys I don't know real well. But it seems like when we get in the car together or we're just around one another, I can click into him pretty easily and learn. He gave me a key that I needed for my class tomorrow that was incredible. We need other people in the body of Christ. We need to sit in good churches like this that can feed us the Word of God because the more knowledgeable we are about the Word, the more we can manage these thoughts that come our way that are deteriorating our lives. And if you have an area that's deteriorating, get in the Word and find out, are my thoughts in tune with God's thoughts about this area or am I doing my own thing? Because remember, once again, every thought has either a life attached to it or a deteriorating effect attached to it. Whom you yield yourself to determines what is birthed into your life over the process of time. Amen. Father, we're just so grateful today for this wonderful church. Heart to receive, heart to listen. And so we're so thankful. So thankful for the pastor and his wife, kids, staff, all involved. Father, what a joyful thing. The energy, your grace upon this church, Father, we're so grateful. Thank you that it continues to shine brighter and brighter. Thank you that each one of us, Father, manage and take upon ourselves this task. It might be a new task for some of us, but nevertheless, a task very clearly outlined in the Word. That we are not to allow thoughts to come our way that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. So, Father, we thank you for these things. We just give you glory and honor. Thank you for this day. Count each person blessed, favored of the Lord. And Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.